Thursday is Thanksgiving Day. You ready? Get all your shopping done. Ready? You don't look ready. And then next Sunday, uh, we're going to be taking the church-wide, I say church-wide, I mean the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the church-wide uh, thank offering. I want to ask you, is it a, was it a good year for you this year? With a lot to be thankful for? You know, sometimes when, when things go well, we feel thankful, grateful, and even a bad event uh, here and there doesn't dampen if they're just events here and there. But a steady stream of difficulty at work or family or uh, friends or neighbors, well, it can, can wear you down and can rob you of your joy. You know, you should be thankful. You have food to eat. You've got a roof over your head. Maybe for you, some of those deeper things, fulfillment uh, in your work, or meaningful and peaceful relationships, well, they elude you. And you, you know you should be thankful, but it's, it's hard to find a feeling of thankfulness. We can be thankful as a duty. We ought to be. But I think when we think about thanksgiving, giving thanks, that we want to feel thankful. We want to feel the love of God. We want to feel cared for and feel this blessing. Is it a good year for you? Does your heart and your mind match? I know that I should give thanks. Your duty and your feelings answer that question differently. Listen to this from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. We urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Father, I think of the, the hymn, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore You. Father, by your word, work in us that we would be thankful. By this word, too, in your spirit, by your spirit, work in us so that we'd be joyful that we would do your will, that you would be pleased through Christ our Lord. Amen. It's God's will for you to be thankful, but if you, 
If you look at this passage, I think these things are all taken together when Paul says that this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And so God wants you not only to be thankful, of course we can do that as a duty, we can do what we ought to do, but he wants you to be joyful. Joyful isn't something that you can just simply muster or tell yourself that you need to do. But I think it's significant that God connects them here. Psalm 107, we read, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds to mankind. And feeling thankful, having a thanks that springs from joy, not merely from reasoning or duty, comes from seeing the hand of God in our circumstances and trusting that his hand is there when we can't see it. And so Paul says to us here, give thanks in all circumstances, in all circumstances, the good circumstances and the not-so-good circumstances. You know, Paul had said elsewhere to the church at Philippi, he said, I've learned to be content in whatever my circumstances. I know how to get along with humble means. I know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I think a lot of people would think that it's hard to be content and thankful when you're hungry, but it would be uh, easy to be thankful and content when you have a lot. But sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes when we have a lot, well, we think we have it by right. We think that we deserve it. We think we've provided it for ourselves. Wisdom from the book of Proverbs tells us, Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? I don't need God. Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. That's the, that's the, the prayer of the sage in Proverbs for a happy medium. But life is seldom a balance of happy mediums. I was thinking this, this past summer as I watched the news that there, were, that there were droughts in some places and there was flooding in other places. And a happy medium would be nice, but we seldom encounter it. And Paul says that he's learned the secret of living contently in both. Do you know what it is? I think it's what he tells us here. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And you see what he says? Be, be joyful. Pray continually. And give thanks. And he puts prayer right in the middle. Do you know why Paul does that? I think he does it 
because it's central. It's in the center because it's central. You know, you could think of all kinds of prayer that you might offer. You might, you might intercede. You might pray for people, right? Or you might come to God with uh, thanksgiving. Or you might come to God in confession of your sin. Or you might come with some requests for yourself. But all of those things are prayer. And what prayer has in common, if we're really praying, is consciously coming into the presence of God. That's really what prayer is. If, if you're not consciously coming into God's presence when you're praying, then you're not praying, you're wishing. Praying is consciously coming into the presence of God. And prayer, before it seeks answers, before it seeks relief, before it seeks solutions, seeks God. And it's being in God's presence, the scriptures tell us, that we find joy. Not merely happiness, but joy. The psalmist writes in Psalm 16, You make known to me the paths of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Where is joy to be found? It's in the presence of God. You know, someone has said that joy is an act of defiance in a fallen world. Now, it's not the prideful, arrogant, self-serving defiance that we sadly so often see highlighted on the news. But the deep, hopeful joy is an act of defiance in a fallen world because it cannot be robbed by circumstances. Uh, my old teacher at Westminster Seminary, William Edgar, um, who, among other things, is a musicologist, has a, a degree in musicology from Harvard University. As he's looked at uh, music in the church throughout the centuries, he discerns a difference in music that's been produced for worship when the church is in good circumstances and when it's in bad circumstances. And he characterizes it this way. He says that the difference is, is that during the good circumstances, most, uh, much of the music that is produced for worship in the church is happy. But during times of difficulty and adversity, the music has about it the quality of joy. Real joy comes from being in God's presence. In prayer, when we seek Him, rather than just answers or just things, we consciously come into God's presence. And the joy that results from His presence leads to an ability to be thankful in all circumstances. A thankfulness that is born not merely out of duty, not merely out of an intellectual exercise that says, I, I really ought to be thankful, but that comes from heartfelt joy. We're able to give heartfelt thanks to God when we see the hand of God in our circumstances and by trusting 
that his hand is there when we don't see it. So does that mean that we should give thanks for all things? I had a friend ask me that question one time after he'd read Ephesians 5.20, which says, uh, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, that, what does that mean? Does that mean that we should give thanks to God for things like cancer and murder and rape and genocide? Well, it would be blasphemous to really entertain that. If you read Paul's words to the Philippians in context, it's clear that Paul doesn't have things like that in mind. What he's saying to the Ephesians is that if there's anything to be thankful for, we should be thankful to God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. But what do we do with the evil in the world, with the bad things in the world, with the things that we see around us and the things that you encounter? Well, you know, the so-called Christian science movement begun by Mary Baker Eddy would say, um, just deny it. Since evil doesn't come from God, it's not real. And so the only power it has over us is if we give it power by thinking it's real. You'd have to brainwash and hypnotize yourself to believe that. I assure you that our brothers and sisters living in Ukraine under the ravages of war and deprivation can tell you that evil is very real. But the truth is that we can only see our own little slice of reality in our own little slice of time. We can't see the end from the beginning and we can't see all of what God is doing. There's an old story, I don't know where it originated, it's been attributed to many different people and many different cultures even. But it goes something like this, there was once a poor but wise farmer who lived with his wife and son on a small piece of land, they worked this farm, they had one horse, and one day the horse jumped the fence and ran away. And the farmer's neighbor came to comfort him. He said, ah, such bad luck. You've been cursed. How will you farm now without that horse? And the wise farmer said, who knows if it's good or bad? And the next day that horse returned, but not by himself. He had with him a wild horse, which the farmer was able to corral. And now he had two horses. And his neighbor came to him and he said, Oh, what a wonderful thing. You had one horse, now you have two horses. And the man shrugged and he said, Who knows if it's good or bad? Short while later, the farmer's only son who helped him around the farm was trying to break that horse and the horse threw him and badly broke his leg. And now the farmer didn't have any, any help around the manual labor of the farm. And his neighbor came again and said, what a terrible thing. 
You have only one son to help you with the farm, and he'll be laid up for months. It's awful. And the wise farmer shrugged and said, who knows if it's good or bad. A week later, the evil ruler of that region declared an unjust and unwinnable war on a neighbor. And as the army marched through town, conscripting young men for the military, the farmer's son was not required to go because he was unable to walk. And the neighbor came over to rejoice with the farmer. He said, well, good luck for you and your family. Your son doesn't have to go to war. And of course, the farmer responded, who knows if it's good or bad. And the point of that story is not that nobody can tell whether anything's good or bad. We don't know what's evil or not. But the point is that we can't see the end from the beginning. We don't know the things that God is doing. Corey Tenboom and her entire family were arrested for hiding Jews in the Nazi-occupied Netherlands. And she and her sister were sent to the prison at Svesingen. Conditions there were deplorable, but theirs seemed to be the worst because they were infested with biting fleas. They could hardly get any sleep. Now, you know, um, as those people would be taken off and put in the prisons, they would be, have stripped from them any vestige of comfort or hope, and if any of them brought Bibles with them, they were, would be confiscated. They tried to hide their Bibles, and they, uh, many of them did, but with Bibles, most of them were confiscated because the cells would be searched. But the Nazi guards didn't search the Tenboom sisters' cell because they didn't want to bring fleas home to their family. And so the word of God sustained them in there. Even though Betsy died there in that prison, she died in hope because she had her Bible to comfort her. So please don't misunderstand me. You might look back over the year and you might find it hard to be thankful. Your circumstances might have been very hard and maybe people don't know the difficulties that you faced. You might look at all that and you might say, I can, I can render thanks to God, I should, as a duty, but it would be hard to do it from joy. But I want to go back to what's central in this passage and I want to ask you a question today and the question is this. Have you sought the Lord? Not an answer. Not a solution. Not relief. But have you sought Him? Because the Bible tells us that there's joy, not merely happiness. but joy in his presence. And you can give thanks out of joy. We're able to give heartfelt thanks to God when we see the hand of God in our circumstances and by trusting 
that his hand is there when we can't see it. You know how I know that? Because on the night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he gave thanks for it. And he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, this is my body. That bread was a picture of him in his suffering and death. And he took that bread and he gave thanks. For what? For the evil? For the pain? For the injustice? For the agony? it would be blasphemous to seriously consider it. The writer to the Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That cross was something to be endured, not enjoyed. The shame of it all was something to be despised, not to be delighted in. But Jesus did that for us and for our salvation. And we read, I think it was just last week in John's Gospel, that as he prepared to do that, we're told that he knew that he'd come from God that he was returning to God, that there was a joy that was set before him. The cross was despicable, but through it, on the other side of it, and transcending it, was joy. And he gave thanks. If being joyfully thankful, not merely dutifully thankful, but joyfully thankful has been hard for you this year, consider when you look at your circumstances that you don't know the end of it all yet. No one, least of all God, is asking you to enjoy the pain. And you may have faced things that are rightly despised because they're despicable. Deeply felt thankfulness comes from joy. Your circumstances may or may not, your circumstances can bring you happiness, but joy is found in God's presence. So I want to ask you again, have you sought him? Not an answer, not a solution, not a change. But have you sought him first? Because if you do, if you seek him, you'll find him. It's why Jesus came. Paul was confident 
And in the midst of his suffering, he wrote, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons not the present, nor the future, nor any powers, not height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And if you trust in Jesus Christ, you can find it to be true for yourself. You'll be able to give heartfelt thanks to God when you see the hand of, your God, of God in your circumstances and be able to give thanks to him by trusting that his hand is there when you can't see it. And Father, give us, we pray, such trust. Lord, in all of the things that trouble us, in all of those things that would rightly drive us to prayer, let those prayers not merely be a, a wish for how things could be different, but really in what is central to all prayer, to seeking you first, seeking your face first. And then, Father, certainly you've told us to come and to make our requests known to you. And we thank you, our loving Father, that you delight to hear them, that you answer them according to your will for our good and for your glory. But help, help us, Father, we pray, not to rush to the thing that we want, the solution that we think needs to come, but to seek you through your son, Jesus Christ. Because there, Father, at your right hand is joy forevermore. And we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Mm -hmm.